Hello and welcome to today's podcast episode of Fur Talk. I'm Gianluca Longo, journalist, style editor of British Vogue, style editor of Cabana magazine, and I've been observing fashion for at least two decades, following all the changes in the industry. This time, six fashion and cultural commentators are joining me on the debate of uh, cancel culture, faux activism, and freedom of choice. And of course, the main subject is fur. This episode guest speakers are Maurice Mullen, Director of Fashion and Luxury at the London Evening Standard Media Group, Judith Watt, academic and writer, Karina Nobbs, fashion futurist and founder at Hot Second, Christopher Snowden, Head of Lifestyle Economics at the Institute of Economic Affairs, Florian Steinberger, philosopher at Burbeck University, and Yves Salomon, president of fashion brand Yves Salomon. Today, when it comes to talk about fur and even wear fur, there are a few points that need to be taken into account. Freedom of expression, freedom of choice, cancellation cultures, individualism, faux activism. And we are here to describe and to discuss all these topics in a moment where nobody knows whose opinion matters anymore, especially when it comes to freedom of expression. You know, Lady Gaga wearing a fur, she says, you see a carcass, I see a museum piece de resistance. And Lady Gaga stated that she respects anyone's choice not to wear natural fur and hopes hers can be respected in return. So whose opinion matters most when deciding what we wear? Our own or other? Is it about mutual respect? I'd love to um, address this question first to Judith. Who do you think... It's literally whose opinion matters today in what we wear. Um, I think it's the consumer. I think the consumer has more power than fashion editors and fashion journalists and fashion buyers, actually. I think the consumer and the voice of the consumer, particularly on social media, is extremely powerful in a way that it hasn't been before. And that, of course, is, as I say, to do with social media. And when it comes to fur and, you know, fur um, consumption, fur buying, you said the consumer, you know, consumers go and buy fur and wear furs. And then, you know, you walk in the streets, you get, you know, pointed, you know, or, you know, people look at you in a bad way because you're wearing furs. I mean... Well, they don't always. And if we're talking about um, London, then yes, possibly and probably but uh, not in other parts of the country and certainly not in other parts of the world. So I think we need to think about the context um, a bit about what we're talking, discussing here, uh, because, of course, social media is completely international. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, I mean, historically, there's been an anti-fur feeling in this country. I mean, there was one in the 1880s when it really started, but fur's gone in and out of fashion. Uh, most famously, uh, Elizabeth I didn't like it because she said only old men wore it and it was boring. Um, but it has literally come and gone. And people have been anti it because of, it's a dead animal. Um, and they felt, you know, sentimental about it. I mean, particularly um, in the 19th century, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Victoria's, Queen Victoria's The first thing that she did, the first patron she became, was the patron of the Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, which is the RSPCA. Oh. But this has gone on and on. 
And uh, we saw it in the early 1970s with when CITES started and a a reaction against, you you know, sorry, pro-using faux fur and fake fur. And we saw it, of course, in in the 1980s. But fur has been massively popular in in between all of these times. And I think what's interesting is if this will happen again. Yeah. And if, sorry, if I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to take over uh, Gianluca. But <clears throat> I think a lot of the debate now is around uh, climate change and traceability and whether clothes are biodegradable. And I think this is something that's coming into the mix, which wasn't there before. And I think that will have quite a bit of influence. So do you think the consumers are absor- absorbing all this news about uh you know, traceability, you know, the future of the of the planet. It depends too. who they're reading, doesn't it? Yeah. That's, that's uh, they, it depends who they're reading. And I don't think um, there's been so much activity um, from people uh, in the fur trade or so much, uh, th- there hasn't been the same kind of potency mm-hmm. that we see in terms of anti-fur people. Yeah. Florian, what is your take on this today's culture are very much like, you know, who's actually, who's, whose opinion matters on what we wear. And of course, if we were first. Or... Well, I mean, in principle, of course, um, I'm very much of the opinion that people shouldn't meddle in my personal affairs and um, nobody's to tell me what I eat or drink or sleep with so long as it's consensual or whether I want to spend my free time collecting stamps or going hang gliding. That's, that's my business. But I do think that it's a mistake to frame the question of wearing and producing fur products as an issue of personal choice. Because <clears throat> just like you would um, react rather strongly if I were to say to you, you know, um, I know you're not so hot on um, uh, human trafficking, for example, but, you know, that's your thing. I, I, quite, I quite like pursuing my career in human trafficking. You would think that clearly there would be, it would be a mistake of mine to think of that as an issue of personal choice. My personal choice would be curtailed by the fact that my engaging in human trafficking is engaging in a morally reprehensible practice because I'm harming someone. And I think that the case of fur is similar, right? There's tremendous harm being done to um, hundreds of millions of animals. Um, and moreover, um, there are there's the the impact on the environment, I don't buy for a minute the arguments to the effect that um, fur is somehow environmentally friendly. In fact, this very country doesn't buy it either because um, campaigns in the past from the fur industry to the effect that fur is supposed to be eco-friendly has actually been banned by the Advertising Standards Agency in this country and in other countries as well because it it wasn't, um, it couldn't be documented. So I, I think... While I'm all for freedom of choice and while I see the contemporary cancel culture very critically, I think there are lamentable ex- excesses and, and some, some of it is downright silly. I think it's, it's a big mistake and it's, it's confused to view the issue of fur along those lines. Yes. Eve, what's your take on it? You know, from being the president of a fashion brand that makes furs and produces furs also for other brands. Do you listen to what uh, the rest of the world says in order for you to produce and for how the brands that you deal with have responded to that? Well, first of all, I want to react to what I just heard. I mean, uh, to, 
um, to have a, a, an activity which is uh, first agricultural, second is uh, related to 100 years of craftsmanship, be compared to human trafficking. I mean, uh, this is quite shocking, and I think and uh, and and this is a part of the problem a fur is facing today. That there's a lot of disinformation. There's a lot of uh, fake arguments. And uh, including what I heard that advertising agencies are not using, uh, are not uh, doing campaigns. We are, as a company, doing many campaigns in France, in England, and everywhere in the world. And, uh, so uh, that's also a fake argument. And uh, <clears throat> I have to say that without fur, there would be no 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 farming, and without farming, there would be no farmers, and would be no farmers, there would be no animal in the nature. So and uh, so I can't uh, I can't uh, re- I have to react quite strongly to what I have. <laughs> Apart from that, uh, what the the, the our, 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 our either retail customer or the big brands for whom we are working with are asking us is to supply a traceability and to be sure that the animal that we are using have been well treated and the the the, the fur industry is uh, enormously regulated. And we are in a position to give this kind of guarantee to this brand and to our consumers. Do you think that it's actually in the recent years there has been a campaign to uh, be more sure about the traceability of furs? Because there have been so talks about where furs come um, and you know the way the animals are treated. But um, do you think nowadays is um, I'm addressing to Eve again um, that we know more about the where these furs come before they? go into production, into clothes? Yes, of course. I mean, uh, the, fur, the fur industry is working a lot to build a, a traceability system and, to, be, and to, to supply information to the consumer and to the brands and to be sure that uh, where the, 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 the animals are coming from and to be sure that the, the farm we are producing, uh, the, which are producing these animals are regulated and uh, and the, the animal in this farm has have to be well treated and they are third party controlling to be sure that uh, we are not doing our own policy and our own controls okay um i would move on to another question and actually the biggest topic that uh, um Florian already um, mentioned the cancellation culture um i'd love to ask karina um karina Karina. Karina, <laughs> um, you created this uh, um, hot second project mm. or is an app. Yeah, it's a project. It's a project, it's, it's exactly. A physical store. Um, will you explain to us that yeah, first? Sure. Because it's quite interesting for every readers, not readers actually, for listeners. <laughs> listeners. Uh, well, I, I had just in the last kind of year been very fascinated by the emergence of digital fashion as a potential avenue for brands and consumers to experience, consume uh, and dispose, I suppose, of fashion in potentially a more sustainable way. And the the notion that 11 million garments a week end up in landfill kind of spurred me into this activity of looking at how emerging technology could be used to try and um, solve some of, the, some of the climate crisis issues that we're facing. So I decided to create a, a pop-up store where I asked people to donate a garment, that they, a physical garment that they didn't want anymore. And in exchange, that was the currency for trying a form of digital fashion. 
Um, so effectively, it was an augmented reality fitting room or kind of booth experience where you were able to try four different types of uh, digital fashion. And one of them was from a, a brand called The Fabricant, which is one of the, the world's first digital fashion houses. And in that garment, they, they had digital fur sleeves that kind of blew in the wind as you were kind of like trying them on. And, and I, I wanted to do it because the field is so new and almost everyone I asked whether it was consumers or um, stakeholders within the industry, everybody's kind of scratching their heads about what the potential of digital fashion is. But, sorry, one question. Mm. But what's digital fashion means? So digital fashion is a, an asset or a, a render uh, of a garment that effectively you could superimpose on a picture of yourself or a photograph and share it on social media, or potentially you could wear it in the kind of virtual environment on an avatar or within a game. Okay, and then you can choose what, what clothes you want to, <clears throat> yeah. see, to be seen. Yeah. Have you included furs in it? Yeah, so the, the one that I just did uh, two weeks ago in London, um, one of the garments from the fabricant had fur sleeves within it. Um, and during that experience, the, the I kind of specifically chose that piece because it was quite um, avant-garde and it, it looked and kind of felt like luxury which I wanted people to experience various different types of digital fashion. And within the experience, when I was, it was a guided experience with people, uh, they, they said they enjoyed it, it was fun, and some of them did comment that this could be a way for them to enjoy fur without having a potential backlash. But this makes me think that, you know, if it's digital fashion, um, sorry, I'm, I'm keep on going because it's quite interesting and new for me, um, being having been working having worked for, you know, with real clothes for 20 <laughs> years and, you know, um, featuring them in magazines and touching them. But at that point, you can really try everything. I mean, you, you know, the, the whole topic of uh, furs or no furs, exotic skin or no exotic skin, it goes away because you can literally try whatever you want in mm. the fashion. So you can really experiment. So I wonder if there would be also someone commenting on that and pointing it out to you, you should never wear that, even on digital. Um, I think so. I mean, I think there's there's trolls effectively everywhere. The, in some of the interviews that I've done recently, the uh, the notion of Emperor's New Clothes comes very much related to digital fashion. And that's uh, many of the comments are from people who say similar things like that. But still interesting, I think. Christopher, I'd love to, to hear your take on this uh, coming up cancellation culture and this, you know, the take on, on people wearing furs and being blamed for you know not being ethical enough what what's your take as a head of lifestyle economics as i hear well i think the point was made before that if you're going to have uh laws uh, based on morality then at the core of that should be the harm principle that people can basically do whatever they want so long as they're not causing harm to others and that's a simple principle but it's uh, it gets very complicated the more you think about it because how do you define harm can you include in environmental degradation if so up to what point uh, you know no man is an island everybody's behavior affects somebody else um, at some tiny level uh, and the animal welfare issue is um, is a particularly difficult and interesting aspect of that i mean my own view um, as somebody who eats meat is that the, the ethical arguments are exactly the same as they are for vegetarianism or veganism. Um, and I don't really accept those arguments. Um, I've never understood why people who are not vegans or vegetarians have an issue with fur. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, 
the only ethical issue is making sure you know the animals are uh, not mistreated while they're alive and are uh, dispatched humanely. So I've never had an issue um, with fur. I can completely understand why people who are not meat eaters would do. Um, and as for the cancel culture, I mean, speaking broadly about that, um, it seems to me a very unwelcome trend in recent years that people are not satisfied just trying to beat somebody in argument. They just want to have them silenced. They don't want to take on the argument at all. They're concerned that other people will hear arguments and opinions with which they disagree. And uh, they want people silenced. Um, and they will go through people's back catalogue of their social media posts, uh, everything they've written in the past, uh, said in the past, going back to really a young age. You know, we've had um, politicians being shamed for things that they said on Facebook or Twitter when they were children. And I think it fundamentally comes down to a lack of faith in their own arguments and their own opinions. Um, that they want to have people silenced and ideally, you know, uh, sent out of polite society, you know, that people will have their lives ruined on a regular basis um, with this kind of almost what you might describe as a circular firing squad because nobody is is safe from this. And it's not really obvious to me who wins overall from this general climate of um, of a witch hunt. Yeah, I think it becomes far too easy and far too quick to uh, blame someone for saying something or for doing something or for wearing something. And I, th I think we become far too shallow. You know, we never, we don't even think about what we're saying anymore. We just comment on the image that upsets us. And it's too easy. And it's, um, but I don't know where we are going. I mean, is it lack of information? Is it lack of education? Is it just jealousies? Is it just, you know, human behavior in doing all that? Um, Maurice, you've been um, working in the fashion industry for a few years, um, over 30 years, he said. Um, and you've seen all the changes, you know, of uh, um, uh, the habits of people, you know, wearing, you know, Uh, certain clothes um, in the streets of London to all over the Europe where you, where you go for your meetings. Mm. What is your take on this cancellation uh, culture that uh, is really taking over today? Well, I think, Gianluca, to Christopher's point about the circular firing squad, um, I think there is a lot in that. I think these people simply want their voice uh, to be heard and to drown out everyone else's uh, argument. And whether that is because they are insecure in their own view and therefore don't want to hear a contrary one, um, or whether it is simply because out of arrogance they believe that their view is the only one that uh, is credible, um, I'm not entirely sure. I think there are different people and they do it for different reasons. Um, I was rather intrigued by the um, digital fashion idea because there you're giving two uh, opportunities for people uh, to uh, hate and <laughs> vent their displeasure at fur wearers. Um, because uh, firstly, in the digital world, when they see you uh, donning the fur garment and secondly, of course, in real life, in your first life. Um, and to Judith's point uh, earlier on about the abuse that one uh, can suffer in the street as a ardent fur wearer myself. I was wearing a full length uh, fur coat yesterday. I had two comments about it as I was making my way around London and they were both very positive. Um, but it was a very chilly day. Okay. <laughs> um, I think there also there's another point that I was thinking this afternoon about the cancellation culture. So I keep on going because it's really... Uh, of my interest about actually deleting your friends or literally not talking to certain people or 
not considering certain people because they don't agree with your views. If you're a vegan or if you wear furs or because, you know, you walk naked or whatever. Florian, I want to have a quote from Ellen DeGeneres um, that uh, she always, you know, expressed the need for mutual respect. And she said, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We are all different. And I think we've forgotten that it's okay that we're all different. I think, are we forgetting that we're different? Are we in a society where we want to be all the same and move like sheep, can we say that? You know, always the same way, the same, you know, dress the same way and think the same way. Where where do you think we are now? Well, it's an often discussed point that there's an increasing degree of polarization in the sense that it becomes more and more easy to predict one's views on other issues given your view on a given issue. So views seem to come as clusters and you sort of just sign up to one team or the other. And obviously, I, I think I think that's a, a very deplorable development. I don't know exactly how new it is. I'm not a historian. But um, I, agree, I, I agree entirely that um, what I find most disturbing about cancel culture is the unwillingness to engage with other people. Right. That's that's why I'm here. I find uh, views like like that of Eve and, and practices. I, I find them deeply abhorrent. But um, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to engage with him. That we're, I'm going to discuss the matter with him. And it doesn't mean that I think that he's a horrible person or other people that that uh, wear fur are horrible people. I find I th- I think that they are they are making uh, moral mistakes, grave mistakes, and I tr- I'll try to convince them of that. But I'm just as conscious of the fact that I have all sorts of moral failings and blind spots myself. And I think when it comes to individuals, um, we should be uh, understanding and, and indulgent and, and, and kind, <laughs> most of all. But we shouldn't be tolerant and kind when it, comes to, um, when it comes to barbaric practices. I think the practices themselves should be attacked fiercely, and I think we should have robust arguments about these things. But that doesn't mean that we should personally attack people. Celebrities, you know, recently um, Jennifer Lopez has been attacked and has been um, <laughs> insulted because she wore a fur, you know, in the trailer for Hustler, um, their movie. She's been wearing fur sleeves in walking in the streets. So there is these things of Jennifer Lopez is, a, is an icon, he's a celebrity. A lot of people look at her like, you know, they want to be like her. A lot of girls they want to sing it, want to act, to act like her. But then at the same time, you open yourself to be attacked to any sort of, of, uh, of uh, um, accusation. And of course, she's been very brave in not even responding. And, you know, she's just been um, uh, herself. So she said, I'm, I do what I want and I wear whatever I want. Judith, do you think as in a world of, you know, celebrity oriented um, culture, do you think this is the right attitude? Well, I mean, Jennifer Lopez had a fur line about 10 years ago. Oh. Uh, and it's, you know, good for her for standing up for it because if she didn't, that would be a problem. She had a commercial fur line. She's always loved fur, you know, and at least she's being honest about it. You know, she's not being a hypocrite, is she? Because there are a hell of a lot of people who are being a hell of a lot, particularly designers, certainly celebrities. And I think I think people are doing it out of great fear. And I agree with you, Florian. There should be much more discussion about it and openness about it. But you're asking me, sorry, I'm digressing. No, I think you asked the question. Yeah, about celebrities. Well, you know, stand by it. You know, I'm personally, as a journalist, completely over influencers. You know, this, this open debate we're having here, and certainly with what you've said, Maurice, 
um, you know, there ought to be much more in, impartial journalism going on um, about fur and skins and yeah. other issues around fashion, sustainability, yeah. terrible overconsumption. It's great doing digital pictures, but, you know, the whole point about clothes is that they can feel fabulous on your body. And then you can get laid, you know? <laughs> you know, you can't do that if you're an avatar, you know? Virtually look laid. Yeah, do, exactly. do you know what I mean? So, anyway, sorry, I'm done well, dressing. But, but the but celebrities are, yes, yeah, stand by what you think. Can I just add something to your point about celebrities? Forgive me, Mr. Chairman, if I'm butting in. <laughs> Please go ahead, um, But it strikes me that, uh, yes, I think you make an excellent point, Judith, about celebrity culture. And we were all aware of Madonna turning up in a chinchilla coat some years ago and that creating an enormous storm um, and various other celebrities you can point to. However, it's designers too, because an awful lot of designers in public will declare that they are absolutely anti-fair, it's old hat, nobody's doing it anymore. But in private, when you go to them for an individual commission, let's say, they're perfectly happy to raid the store cupboard and add a little fur embellishment or whatever privately to a bespoke commissioned garment. Um, now, that speaks to me of extraordinary double standards. And it exists not merely in the design world, but right across the spectrum. Um, so yes, I think if somebody is going to do it, they should be out and proud, as it were, um, about uh, wearing it. Um, and I also uh, dis agree with the idea that uh, to take uh, Florian your example of uh, of human trafficking I mean the thing about human trafficking is that it is illegal it breaks the law whereas wearing a fur garment does not and I think if there is a blurring between what, what is legally acceptable, and I speak as an ex-lawyer um, and what is morally acceptable then I'm sure you would agree as a philosopher we're getting into extremely deep waters um, well, yeah, let me perhaps speak to that briefly because it, it seems to have come up twice. Um, obviously, the analogy with human trafficking was not to say that um, wearing fur is like committing or is like engaging with the practice of, of human trafficking, um, nor was I saying, nor was the analogy supposed to be between an illegal practice and, and, and a practice which still is legal, um, but it was, it was about moral wrongness. Right? The idea was that your personal freedom only extends as far as you're not, as Chris was also saying, as long as you're not harming sentient creatures, and um, and I think that's where wearing fur and 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 uh, and uh, producing fur uh, falls uh, woefully short, and that that was the analogy. Obviously, I wasn't claiming that they were the same thing or equally morally reprehensible. That's not the point. I was simply saying that I was simply making a, a point of personal freedom and where it uh, has its limits. Well, I think you make a very good point, but where does that personal freedom intersect with mine? I mean, surely the with rights come responsibilities. Um, and if um, if somebody is allowed to exercise their personal freedom in deciding that they're not going to wear fur, doesn't that extend to me too in deciding that I will? Well, no, your personal freedom would, would should be curtailed by the fact that you are causing harm by supporting the fur industry because you are committing harm towards the animals that are being treated terribly and are being... Uh, well, I think you make a very large assumption about how they're being treated. I think they're actually no. being treated very well and painlessly euthanized, and uh, that's where I feel the argument breaks down. No, Nobody no, no, is no, no, in no. favour of animal cruelty. No, no one. No, no, no I, I think, look, this, this, is not, this is not some kind of, um, you know, hysterical fever dream of some kind of activist. Even if you stick to the so-called strict standards of the industry... 
And if you, if you actually look what a life cycle of such an animal is like, I think nobody in their right mind would actually look at this and then go out and want to have fur trimmings on their coat. I'd love to, to, to hear Eves um, and what you think about what is just been discussed. If you live in Africa and you, you see animals uh, eating each other, then uh, you, you understand what is really uh, the, the, the nature. And the nature is, uh, first of all, animal eating other animals. And, uh, and uh, I think that uh, fur farming is, is very far from that. It's very far from that cruelty. And uh, I think that has nothing to see with what has been described and this practice. I mean, as I said before, uh, fur... Fur farming is highly regulated and controlled by 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 um, scientists, by biologists, by veterinar veterinarians. So I mean, uh, we cannot make a, a parallel um, and say that that's my opinion, and I, I fully respect other opinion, of course. But I think that when 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 we are using uh, uh, animals in the fur industry. Uh, I think we are entitled to, and uh, provided, as a few people said, and I fully agree, that the animal welfare is well protected, okay. and uh, that's, you, that's a key fact. You know what, just um, a question comes up to me now. Is there enough information, and do people know about all this? I mean, because listening to Florian and then listening to you, maybe Karina doesn't know about it, or Judith, or, you know, the, the man of the street. I mean, is... Is there information enough on how traceable the first are and, you know, from A to Z? I think, I think that's an issue, which is a, a very true issue. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm absolutely positive that the, and I fully agree that uh, information is not sufficient. And that le le is leaving a huge, a huge uh, ground for misinformation and uh, and false information and mistakes and uh, false view. I mean, and I think that the fur industry is responsible for this for this lack of information. And, Sorry, uh, what what industry? The fur industry. Oh, the fur industry itself. Okay. Yeah, is responsible uh, to, for that uh, lack of information, and uh, I think the false idea which are running around, I mean, are, are due to the fact that we are leaving the, uh, an open space, and uh, it's 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 uh, uh, people are, are feeling that space, and not us as a fur uh, industry. Uh, so, if we want if we want to implement the information about this, for example, now talk we put together cancellation um, uh, culture for activism fear of talking about first in media or you know in 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 social media or in papers and prints but there must be a, a way to give information to talk about this how can we do it because i mean if i publish something in my in a magazine where i work for you know then i can be um, open again to a, a form of criticism because i'm talking about that but then i'd love to actually do a research and know exactly how the the fur farms work and, you know, the origins of the, the, the animals and everything. How can we sort that out? Yves? No, I said there are material existing uh, telling the truth about the fur and what's going on in the fur farming. But the, the, the truth also is that uh, this material is not easily enough available. And as far as we are concerned in our brand, we, 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 we tell on every garment a little history of, of what's going on and uh, where is the, the animal... Uh, is coming from and uh, and how and which species and to 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 reassure consumers that what they do is correct and not wrong and uh, well, we do it 
if but there the, is but there is no big extent uh, information on yeah that. but i think you know Ooh. if there is i'd love to hear more myself actually because i think we all want to know more about it and uh, then you know we're we are in a moment where we can search everything from our um, mobile phone you know I, just i agree uh, i think there needs to be much greater not just transparency because i think there is quite a lot of transparency but it, it needs to be communicated much much better mm. if they if this discussion is about cancel culture then the fur trade has to do that it has to be clearer because there's a lot of obfuscation and just sitting in this room there are people who have different opinions and and don't know anyway yeah um karina so do you think educational discussion about freedom of choice will actually help all this that we've been discussing i think so and i think in relation to the last point i see that potentially an independent type blockchain could be a way that the fur industry could demonstrate traceability within the supply chain but i think what's interesting from a consumer behavior perspective is that when you give people too much information too much kind of uh, transparency then their behavior relapses and they decide that that's not what they want but i think as a whole i think we're moving towards uh, there's a book called the 21st century consumer which um, was written like 20 years ago but it talks about consumers seeking authenticity and independence um, and being more individualized in their decision and i think that is there's a movement within the industry that i hope emerging technologies can help fix. Yeah. It's a kind of sideways to your question. Yeah. Um, Christopher, do you think actually better information and education will be the key, the weapon to delete cancellation culture? The cancel culture in general? No, not really. I mean, I think it might be a fad that burns out, but there are certain incentives people have to keep it going. Firstly, you've got the kind of political incentive, which is you can keep out your opponents from the discourse. Yeah. And secondly, on social media, where most of this takes place, people get that little thrill of excitement from joining in the, the hunt, the bullying. And the only way I see it stopping is when people realize that actually that's a pretty small benefit when... As I say, it's a circular firing squad and you could e very easily be next. So as these things become more intense and fewer and fewer people are likely to escape the witch hunt, perhaps people will cool down. But I, I really don't think so. I don't really see it happening because there's so much of the, the school playground in this. Yeah. Um, people get the benefits of being seen to be virtuous by joining in the hunt. And it's almost that you're afraid not to join it in in case people think that um yeah you hold similar objectionable views it's you know, very very similar um to the kind of atmosphere you would have um on a bigger scale in in totalitarian countries when when people were being purged okay a question that i would love to address maybe the last question for everyone cancel culture freedom of choice, freedom of expression. And, you know, one of the topics I wanted to talk, that I think we've been running out of time, was for activism. So what is activism today, for example? I watched a, a, a video that Barack Obama did um, recently, and um, he condemned the call-out culture because he believes that, you know, big judgmental is not going to make any change. You know, of course, if we keep on casting stones, we're not going anywhere. So what is activism today? I literally would love to 
ask all of you guys, starting from Judith. Well, what is activism? I've got a lot of students who are members of Extinction Rebellion, for, ex for example. Mm -hmm. um, and that activism varies in terms of the magazines that they produce, the kind of journalism that they uh, produce, um, but it's not the activism that we all did when I was young. It's very different and a lot of it is on social media. All I'm going to say about this is you don't have to be on social media. You can damn well do what you want without being on social media. And the, the fear that I see in students because of cancel culture is quite something. Yeah. We've just produced a newspaper and I was talking to the others, to, to the students, and I said, what's your biggest fear? And they say being called out. They're perfectly innocent, nice students, yeah. doing anything wrong, but the great fear and the anxiety that goes on yeah. amongst young people. And it's literally, they are crippled, some of them, by anxiety about being basically bullied. And I think it's appalling. And I just tell them all to stay off social media. Well, I think that is a very good point about staying, either making the choice to stay off social media entirely, in which case you can potentially isolate yourself. Or if you are going to engage in social media, be prepared to fight back. And I rather like the idea of uh, us, us furries <laughs> piling in in the way that the antis do. Um, because you're absolutely right. If they see someone weak, they will they will join together to bully them, marginalise them, and ultimately um, ostracise them. Um, whereas the uh, firm community, um, be those designers, retailers, uh, producers, farmers, whatever, tend not to do that. And I would like to see them doing that. And that, of course, speaks also to the earlier point about um, information not being as readily available. We're always told what we're not supposed to like. Like, um, let's show people what we can like and can enjoy. Yeah, Florian, um, I, I I disagree with the first bit of what um, what you were just saying. I um, it, it seems to me that um, I, I think we should avoid bullying either way. I, I don't think we should bandy together and, and bully the other way. I think taking a step back, at least from social media, seems like a good idea. Mm. And thinking about these issues for oneself carefully looking at the information that's out there and one actually finds that there's ample information out there. Just in the last couple of years, one can find articles in outlets like The Guardian, The Independent, The National Geographic. So these aren't reports produced by activist groups um, that document all of the frequent violations of the standards and the horrible conditions that, um, that we find for the animals even when standards are upheld. So I... I'm realizing that I'm I'm rerouting the question slightly, but I do want to I do want to emphasize that it's not the case that we're all sitting here and there's one opinion and there's another opinion and they're both equally good. No, we should respect the people, but some opinions are silly and some opinions are justified and borne out by the evidence. And I think uh, the evidence very clearly points in one way. Karina, Ooh, your tough, take on that? Tough activity. question. Yes, I mean I'm pro-social media, but I'm also pro-evidence-based decision-making. And as much as possible, when I teach my students, I see exactly the same anxiety and it's 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 awful. And I do see it being crippling, but as, as much as possible, and I'm sure you do this as well, to encourage um, students to be aware of their own behaviour on, on social media, to go and seek multiple sources of information and to always seek 
and and speak to balanced viewpoints. And if they do see people being bullied, um, and kind of in either way is to be aware of it, call it out, kind of report it. Yeah. So I don't know. My my questions, my answer is based around awareness and yeah. logic, I suppose. Absolutely, Christopher. Um, I think I've never been at the end of uh, one of these Twitch hunts. Um, my think tank gets uh, a certain amount of abuse from people who disagree with us. Um, and some people would like to see us not appear on the TV and radio. But I think my my only conclusion would be to stick it out and, and stand strong. Um, a lot of the people I have seen um, at the receiving end of cancel culture seem to me to have given in rather too easily. And that's understandable when your phone is red hot with thousands of abusive messages. But I think the answer in that instance is to you know delete the app for a few days because these things very quickly blow over. And most people probably couldn't tell you who was cancelled last month, you know, because they move on to the next target. So unless you've done something yeah. seriously wrong, I think just, um, you know, chin up and uh, switch off the social media for a few days and then get on with your life again. Yeah. Eve, the last question for you. Your point of view on activism or for activism on social media at this point, since we've been talking about social media. Well, I really uh, fully agree uh, with Judith, and uh, I understand this anxiety created by social media. And uh, I think, uh, nevertheless, we have to hold very strong on uh, on uh, one uh, the the freedom of choice because that's a rule that uh, we cannot really uh, negotiate. I mean, uh, and 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 but to to. To uh, to be so strong on that, we have to give confidence, and we have to inform, and we have to be quite open and transparent, and uh, to 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 fight against this uh, anxiety which is uh, surrounding the, the the whole society at the moment, and uh, and we also have not to forget uh, the the joy and the pleasure of life because I mean uh, yeah. that is a, it's a strong point with fur and. Uh, And uh, I would like people to to try and to f and to and to understand that wearing fur is something so nice and so uh, so pleasant, and uh, it, it's part of the life too. Okay. Well, I thank you everyone for being, as I would say, thank for you. being here, for being on the thank microphones, you. and uh, to have this uh, very interesting um, uh, podcast. So thank you everyone. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Bye bye.